Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige, and I'm really excited by the episode that we have for you today, because not only is this person a wonderful author, he's also a great friend of mine as well. I also refer to him as the BFG, purely for being Britain's friendliest guy. For anyone who uh, follows him on Twitter, they'll be able to hopefully clarify what I say. It's Giles Paley Phillips, a wonderful author, wonderful human being. Um, any of you guys that have him on Twitter will know that. Uh, like I said, you know, he's um, when you're having a bit of a shit day, he's the kind of Twitter that really sort of uplifts um, your day and realize, makes you realize that you're not alone. And uh, we have a wonderful chat about things. We talk about his children's books, how he got into writing. Uh, we talk about his brand new book, um, which is um, really different to what he's written before, actually. Uh, but we talk about more we talk about that more in the podcast it's entitled 152 days and um yeah we t- we touch on many things um in this episode we talk about mental health we talk about um writing children's writing um the challenges that children's writers have today uh, we talk about lockdown we talk about um school we yeah we talk about lots of things it was a really a really great chat and um yeah without any further ado i'm going to uh leave you guys with the chat that me and giles paley phillips had Giles, how are you? I'm very well, Lawrence. How are you? Good. I'm doing. I'm doing good. How How you been doing? Like over lockdown, and everything that's been this this year, really. I mean, we're coming. I keep can't can't believe we're nearly Christmas already. <laughs> I know it's it's the year has it's been one of those years where it's been re, sort of gone really quickly, but at the same time really slowly. You know, I suppose there's been moments where we've you know particularly when we were in the first major lockdown where you know days days seem to sort of drag on for weeks. It seemed, but. Um, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, it's been quite a busy time for me. I've been had quite a lot of work on, um, doing podcasts and writing projects. So, you know, I can't complain too much. It's been quite a twenty 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 has been a you know has been a disastrous year in many ways. But um, for me, yeah, projects and stuff are still going on. I feel sort of very grateful for that. Yeah, because you're. I mean, I refer to you as the BFG, Britain's friendliest guy. You know, just, <laughs> just put it out there. Uh, but I mean, how do you? Because when you, your Twitter is always really refreshing to go on, and you know, it's really full of positivity, full of really nice messages. I mean, how do you? Is there a way? I mean, I'm sure we all get our bad days, but is there a way that you kind of make sure that positivity, you know, is, is something that energy of positivity, is something that you that you keep with you? Yeah, I try to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. Um... Yeah, I mean, particularly on social media, it's always such a it's such a horrible place sometimes, isn't it? And I think I really like, enjoy using those platforms, and so I don't want to be deterred by sort of like the the sort of the nasty and darker sides of them. I'm, you know, I was trying to put something a bit like nicer out there, um, and and yeah, and obviously I, I try and promote kindness and positivity where I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. I, I, I've been someone, you know, who's had quite sort of difficult moments in my own life during, you know, when I was younger and stuff. 
and uh and so kindness for me and and being kind and connecting i think more than that sort of connecting with other people has always been at the forefront of my life and trying to make sure that um yeah i mean at the end of the day we are as human beings we are all in this together to a certain extent and so i think sometimes it's a bit dog eat dog out there and um so i think you know it's right of us to sort of kind of really just be a bit more considerate of one another. And I suppose that's kind of a big part of my, um, and my outlook, I suppose. Yeah. And I think there's just not, you know, um, as I, I guess as a species, as a humans, we, we kind of need to, to try and, and be nicer and be kinder. I mean, it's something that's not really taught. I mean, you can't really teach that so much. I mean, you might learn sort of lessons at schools and in the office, there's like a code of conduct that you might have to sort of maintain mm-hmm. by, but you know, there's, I mean, it's, it's something that's so easy to do. It makes you feel so good to do it. And I think it's just something that we take, it's, it's, it's underrated, isn't it? It's so, um, you know, it's uh, such a nice thing to be able to, to do. And just like, whether it be helping that woman on the underground with a pram or something like that, you know, when I've been feeling rubbish and just a quick act of kindness can make you feel really good. And I think sometimes there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know what, I feel good because I helped that person out or because I sent that positive treat to someone that's having a having a bad day. I, I think, you know, sometimes we just got to, I don't know if people worry about it sounding cheesy or, or things like that, mm. about just being kind and nice. And they're that kind of, especially as men, I think as well, there's kind of this um, sort of, uh, what is it, toxic masculinity thing that we all have to deal with, where it's like, oh no, we kind of have to be macho and, and things like this. Um, so no, I think it's really interesting what you do on social media. Oh, well, thank you. No, I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, you know, we, I think social media in a way has also allowed us to have more open conversations. You know, people come forward and, you know, they do are starting to express when they have bad days, you know, and it's, it is okay not to be okay. You know, we obviously hear that quite a lot, but, and it is okay to express those things and actually, you know, empathize with other people and, and, and put stuff out there that other people might empathize with themselves. You know, if they're having a bad, like you say, you're having a bad day or something. Um, I think it's really reassuring to hear other people and to know that you're not alone. You know, I think that's the thing we, sometimes we get caught up in our own things and we think that it's just you know it's just us that's having that bad situation that bad day so it's just knowing that there are lots of people having bad you know particularly at the moment where it's been very challenging for everybody i think um this year i think you know it's really important for us to connect with those and reach out to each other and sort of you know just say look you know it's okay you're you, you know you matter you're not alone and and you know we're here for you and you and hopefully you're there for us when we need it as well so yeah I, I saw this video recently of um the rock you know he's probably the most macho man in the world like yeah. i struggle to think of anyone more macho than the rock and there's a video of him quite openly talking about yeah i dealt with depression it sucked and this is kind of how i got through it so mm. i think men sometimes if the rock can go through it i think all of us as guys kind <laughs> yeah, of kind of have yeah. to get over ourselves a little bit and just be like it can happen to to anyone you know and um it's just a really um a dip, I don't know why it, it's just difficult for men I think it's something that we grew up with in terms of um mm. uh way, way we feel like we need to be and you know I mean I've so I'm 30 years old I've known five people that have sadly took their own lives and four of them have been guys and sadly the girl that you know that she dealt with it and took her own life she was dealing with it for a very long time and she you know, she wrote some books about it and was really struggling with depression but the four guys that I knew that took their own life it just happened like that mm. and there was no no warning no no one knew everyone was just shocked and it was just one of these things like 
why couldn't they talk and you know why mm. couldn't you know and, it, and it's really difficult for guys to to be able to do that so i think as as men we need to almost like kind i know we joke about sort of manning up and things like this and man flu but i think as men we just yeah. got to really um find the, the bravery i guess to just talk to each other and um not worry about that because i think that's what the real bravery is just being able to talk about how you're feeling and just going like you know what i'm struggling today and I think yeah. just having that conversation with someone just helps so much. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And I think, yeah, like you say, the, you know, it takes a lot of courage to come out and say that, you know, you're having a, that you're not dealing with stuff very well. It's, you know, it's a huge thing. And I know my, my father was an alcoholic and, um, uh, I think, you know, a lot of that, his alcoholism was the fact that he just didn't know how to express himself. You know, he didn't know how to deal with life, you know, other than to just, you know, trying to drink it away and um, always rather drink his problems away. So I think there are a lot of people, and like you say, there's a lot of men as well that just don't, you know, and obviously he came from a culture, from living in, a, you know, from a working class northern town um, and, you know, drinking culture and stuff. And that's kind of what, you know, like you said about manning up, you know, which is a horrible term, um, that, that that is what was expected, you know, chin up, get on with it, you know, and actually, you know, we just need to hear people out and and allow people the space and time to truly express themselves and uh, yeah, so it's you know it's, it touches everybody these things, don't they? I mean, we 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 all have bad days, we all have bad moments, and I think we need to sort of um, own those sometimes a little bit and and uh, come out and be honest about them. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to talking about sort of your childhood, was something mm. that obviously you're a successful children's author at the minute and you've got a new book that's um, very different to um, the sort of children's books that you've written before. But um, as, as a child, when you were at school and stuff, was reading and writing something that you were, were interested in, had a passion for? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. To put it bluntly, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, I mean... <laughs> I liked, uh, I mean, it's, at primary school, I guess I was really into, a lot of my mates were into sort of fighting fantasy books. I don't know if you remember those. You're probably a bit young, actually. <laughs> they were, um, they were like sort of choose your own adventure kind of books, but yep. kind of like I think, I think, and... I think I've, I know what you, I can't say that I've personally had experience with them, no. but yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. I think they've, they've been, I think um, there was a series my son read called Beast Quest and they had a similar kind of yes. thing in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. They were yeah, sort of choose your own adventures, and they were kind of they kind of came spawned out of the kind of Warhammer type kind of stuff with like role play and you know, witches and wizards and orcs and you know mm -hmm. that kind of almost Lord of the Ringsy kind of stuff. And yeah, you you would like so you get you'd uh, you'd play with a dice as well. So it was kind of like a game and a book, um, right? Yeah, and uh, you would you would roll and then you would get like how much stamina and skill you had. And then as you progress through the book, you would have like battles with like various different creatures. And then you were trying to search for, I don't know, whatever it might be treasure or whatever. And, um, and then you got vlogged it all in the back of the book as well. So, and then like at the end of each sort of paragraph, you'd say, you know, go, if you want to go down this corridor, turn to page hundred and whatever. And then if you want to open this, this creepy door here, turn to page, you know, 200 and then you go yeah. oh yeah i'm gonna open this creepy door and then, <laughs> then there'll be some orc in it and then it'll be you or something um so yeah but so me and my mates were really into those kind of books and and comic books as well like massively into like graphic novels and marvel superheroes heroes and stuff but not conventional kind of kids books like i really wasn't um into like kind of 
I guess middle grade it would be now, but like the kind of first chapter books and stuff I didn't really engage with and like I wasn't particularly an academic child, otherwise I really struggled struggled at particularly at secondary school. I found school really hard and uh yeah, certainly uh wasn't a fan of reading particularly in my in my teen years. And it wasn't really until I think really until uh, my kids came along that I started kind of I mean I certainly didn't start sort of thinking about writing stories until my my eldest was born Elijah and uh then I just became a bit more ravenous for sort of literature but up until then I was yeah I mean as a like I say as a child I was pretty disinterested I think I was more into like kind of sport and um and, and things like that I have to I have to apologise at the moment. It's absolutely hacking it down with rain, so you can probably hear the rain <laughs> pouring down outside. So um, apologies for that picking up no, on the microphone. No problem. So I guess sort of talking about you know schools and exams and things mm. like that. I mean, I think there's a really big pressure, especially as well now with with kids and the exams and feeling like they've got to succeed and get to a certain level. Even with me, when I was at the secondary school and I really struggled with mathematics, maths was just something that I just couldn't get my head around. Mm. Just like. And, but I was always told that like, you need your maths to succeed in life. You need your maths GCSE. And, you know, there, there is a lot of pressure um, to feel like, you know, if I want to have a decent job, I need to get my GCSEs and do something that I really want to do. Um, but never in my life have I ever, has anyone ever asked me, find a circumference of this. Fine, please find what yeah. X equals, please. Yeah. Let's just let's just try and... Another day's you know, gone past, you don't use geometry, you know. Exactly, yeah. And it's yeah. just like, you know, I could do my everyday, you know, I'm not silly i could do some everyday maps like and you know and, and things like that but i just think some of the stuff kids have to learn is just and the pressure that they have to learn is just so it's just crazy yeah it's huge yeah i mean i've got kids that are going through secondary school now and um you know and obviously just one of them's just sort of come out of he's uh, just in his first year of secondary school and the amount of testing and stuff i think is just ridiculous really these days um you know that i mean that may be a subject for another day but um yeah i just think it's uh horrendous really i mean i i really wish we followed different education models more like sort of scandinavian models particularly like places like finland where there's a lot more onus on the arts um and 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 within even within literature it's you know it's more there's more onus on poetry and you know um other types of um literature that aren't you know here it's you know it's very much shakespeare and um, mm-hmm. you know and Graham Greene or whatever other you know um, John Steinbeck and things like which are all yeah. you know perfectly great but you know it'd be nice to you know there's a few other things in there in the mix so yeah and there's an awful lot of pressure on kids I think to to follow a certain path for sure um, yeah. yeah and I yeah, I found that I mean I found school extremely difficult it wasn't but then it you know school just wasn't for me you know I mean it's not for everyone and one size doesn't fit all and unfortunately you know you have an education system that you know kind of caters to more academics I, I would I would argue and um so and, and like you I was terrible at maths I mean horrendous yeah it's just never never had to know the circumference or <laughs> no, angles no. and stuff like that but I've never it's never something I've never ever needed in my life again and it, you know for kids to, to for kids to think this is so important for them to learn i just think um i mean you, yourself you know you, i think i saw a tweet said you left school with, with one gcse and you managed to you know and you're a successful children's author i mean so how did you get into your um, journey in writing 
Yeah, God, it sounds quite stark when you say that. Now, like one GCSE, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Um, I, I, it wasn't I, I English. Did, I, did, I didn't do much better. Don't worry. No, I, I, well, it was it was in English, so I kind of got that as a I guess is a bit of a fallback. Um, well, I think I started off. I think I again I was follow, had to fo- kind of follow a path, I guess, with with regards to like education because you know I finished secondary school and then was kind of felt obligated to go to college and and try and study more you know and like retake kind of gcse's get those those gcse those five gcse's the holy grail so that you can do a levels and then you know do your a levels get the right sorts of a levels and go to university or kind of but i never saw myself going to university i never thought that i would continue in in education to that level so I, I, it all felt like a little bit pointless and I think I was a bit very lost during those kind of college years and I, I just happened to become friends with some 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 guys and girls that were really into kind of alternative music and I just got really, really interested in like, you know, rock and metal and um, and then was just really wanted to sort of start a band and be in a band and just got really into music in a big way and, and I guess that was a sort of segue into writing because I started obviously... I, I, joined a band with a good friend of mine and we started doing gigs and stuff. And then, you know, we, we were sort of learning together. He was in another band that was much more, it was much better, but we kind of learned it. We were learning our instruments together, but we were also writing, you know, creating, you know, songs and lyrics, you know, so that was a kind of first, my first foray into using words and learning to use words to express how I felt and stuff like that. So that was kind of that. And then, and then, like I say, we did that for quite some years and really wanted to be, you know, that was all I wanted to do was be a musician. And, you know, we're very lucky we got to tour around the country a few times, play some big festivals, put, put a couple of EPs Great. out. Yeah, it was a really exciting time. And that kind of thought that was what I wanted to, you know, that was, I mean, it was what I wanted to do. That was, I wanted to be a full-time musician. That was my passion. Um, but, you know, these things don't sometimes work out and the band kind of broke up. And, uh, and then again, I was in that kind of, like I was at college, like thinking, what do I do now? Like, do, do I want to just carry on doing like music? I, I kind of was a bit bruised by the experience, I guess, of, of, of everything and, you know, not quite making it. And, and then obviously the band breaking up. So I was kind of looking for other kind of creative things to do, like other projects. And I just happened to, obviously my wife found out she was pregnant and just for some reason, I just had this compulsion to want to, kind of write a story for him and that's kind of how i started writing children's stories that's amazing so like i suppose you've you've written some children's stories and you've also done some adult poetry as well and um so what's what do you say is like the main difference when you're think, trying to get into a mindset of writing for children and writing for adults what is um, the kind of process that you go through for both is it much different I think it is. I think that oh, there obviously is differences, and most of the writing. I mean, you know, you write you write children's yeah. books as, as well. So, uh, is you know, it's a very different sort of mindset for for what you know. Obviously, you're trying to appeal to. I think also with children's writing, you're trying to appeal to adults and children. Yeah, absolutely. because who's? I mean, obviously, children are right are reading them sometimes on their own. I I write a lot of picture books, which you know are for younger children who probably haven't got to a level of reading. So they are being read too. So you kind of, I'm always in the back of my mind thinking, I don't want to be the book that the parents are going, oh, not that one again. Um, <laughs> you know, or like, oh, do I have to, do we have to read that one? Can we read, you yeah. know? Um, so you kind of, 
so that's kind of in the back of my mind, putting, you know, putting some bit of, you know, a lot of my earlier kind of picture books had quite a lot of dark humour in them. So it's kind of trying to do that a little bit. Um, but yeah, so, and then, then obviously for adults, you kind of, you know, you're able to express yourself a bit more. You, there's a lot more freedom there, but then there's obviously a responsibility to make sure that you get your themes and messages across. I mean, that that's the same, that's actually the same within children's stories as well. But I think obviously there's a lot more, uh, the language is obviously more complicated and, you know, you're having to construct a story in a different way. So um, each has got its own um, pros and cons and, you know, each is as difficult as the others. You know, as a writer yourself, writing is not mm-hmm. necessarily, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of graft, hard work, um, pulling teeth sometimes you know it's it's, yeah. a t- it's a tough gig you know it's a tough gig so you know the um and actually writing children's books is really tough it's not as easy as as people make my envisions mm-hmm. you know because no, they're the most critical readers aren't they well think, you know. absolutely yeah and you know you know I'm, I'm sure you do lots of children's school events and stuff yeah. um mm-hmm. you know they can be you know sometimes they can be quite brutal <laughs> oh, yeah. a kid will just say i don't like it yeah and it's, it's, they could be that blunt. I just I don't like this story. I don't. Yeah. And they'll ask you why. They'll ask, they're not afraid to ask the difficult questions. Of, why is that character doing this? Why don't you just do mm. this? And you know, and it's like sometimes it gets you thinking. Like that's a really good point. Why did I not think of that? Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes. Why did the edi- Why did my editor not pick up on that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Why has no one picked up yeah. on this? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's really interesting with kids. And then obviously, you know, your new book that's come out, I guess, is probably the most personal book that you've ever. That you've ever written um sort of the poetry to sort of go through the, you know the grief that you went through i suppose with with your mum yeah yeah so yeah, the book's called 152 days yeah and it was a took a long time to write that book yeah because it was you know it's um it's because it's, yeah it's my it's a very much a semi-autobiographical but there are fictional elements to it but yeah a lot of the stuff in it is um yeah are, are real moments or real memories from my life um you know, yeah, my mum passed away when I was I was six years old. The, the protagonist in the book is a teenager, so I sort of lift, moved the moved the timeline a little bit. But um, certainly, the the thoughts and feelings of the teenager in the book, the protagonist in the book, are very much kind of along the same lines of what I was experiencing through my teen years. Although, like I say, the my mum died. I was a bit younger, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's a raw. It's very personal. It's, um, it's written in verse. I wanted it. I always wanted it to be in verse because I felt like I wanted the language to really express my emotions more than like sort of being bogged down in prose. Um, and also, you know, I thought actually because it's quite a difficult read, this is it's a sort of book that people could read in one or two sittings. Um, or, or alternatively, it's because it reads because it's more like poetry or prose poetry. They can you know come and they can drift in and out of it. So. Um, I just thought it had different elements to it if I did it like that. So yeah, it was an incredible. It was a. It was a. It was a good journey, but it was yeah. It was. It was definitely challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean, obviously, six years old when you lost lost your mum. Do you, I, I suppose do you have any sort of memories that of of your mum as a child, or is it um, something? Because obviously, being so young, is it is it hard to sort of um, get those feelings come back? You know, or was it sort of glimpses that you have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember a lot about her. There are certain scenes in the book, like um, there's a scene in the book where um, the protagonist says goodbye, the boy says goodbye to his mum. That that was that, that they're real moments that I remember, or certainly, I, I you know I've got a vague recollection of. Um, so yeah, it was trying to think, but being six years old, I probably you know there were only a handful of moments that I kind of remember. 
really. Um, but it's more feelings and kind of like anecdotal stuff that I kind of recall about her more really. You know, my my brother was a lot older. He was six years older than me. So he, he kind of was able, you know, he's always able to express more about how she was as a person and um, how she could sort of conducted herself and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of picking away at kind of, yeah, sort of more anecdotal kind of stuff from from from, from her friends and, and family at the time. So, yeah, it's sort of difficult in a way. So, I mean, the book is very much centred around the thoughts and feelings of the, of the protagonist, the boy in the book, and the sort of, I guess, the parental figures in it are slightly more sidelined they're kind of they're there they're you know but they're they're not um probably they're just sort of snapshots which again is what you know what i had to deal with with within thinking of about writing it you know there had to be snapshots because i have only got snapshots of my own memories yeah so i mean it must have been sort of did you find it quite i guess in a way therapeutic for you to write i suppose and just sort of let those feelings and those words come out because I mean even with me even with my children's novels I, I there's things that I kind of I put in from my childhood that I kind of mm. want to fix almost with some of the characters and stuff and it's almost like well this is cheaper than therapy and then <laughs> let me let, yeah. let me just do a bit of writing about the, this character and kind of put some of my my crap onto them and you know try and fix it within these characters so I guess did you find that quite um you know really good for yourself as well to just kind of get it onto page I guess yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it was, you know, there were times where it was difficult and you have to sort of put it to the to one side for a bit just because you're, you know, you are dealing with like, yeah, sort of fairly traumatic things. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was cathartic. You know, it's, it's a sort of word that gets banded around a bit nowadays. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a cathartic experience. I did feel good for doing it. Like you say, it, getting those things down on the page i think i when people i get messages from people sort of saying they're having a difficult time in life i sometimes say write yourself a letter or you know write some of those things down because actually seeing it in print can really help um i think just to sort of analyze it and reflect on it a little bit so i think yeah that that was really helpful for me so yeah, I think you know it's something I always do sort of say to people is like if yeah if you're you're going through a bad time or you're yeah you're having you know you're anxious or feeling depressed or whatever it might be actually yeah actually kind of confronting that a little bit by writing you know writing to yourself about how you're feeling I think that can that can be really useful. Yeah, no, absolutely. So have you been doing any um, writing over this lockdown period? Any any sort of new things that you're able to sort of give, maybe give us a little sneak preview on or sort of not say too much but you know any kind of writings you've been working on yeah well G- jim and i who do the blank podcast we've we've written a book together oh um, great yeah um so that's that's been really yeah so we had like a deadline which was really great at the beginning of lockdown because i was worried that um that we would just procrastinate too much and yeah actually being able to focus you know and actually really have some like proper like almost nine to five working hours to mm-hmm. to, to to really get it all out there we was great so actually that was really useful and particularly at the beginning of lockdown where we were like really needing i think it was such a surreal you know we've i wouldn't say we've got used to stuff now but we're obviously getting more accustomed to what the situation we're in and though obviously it's, it's ever evolving but you know we are becoming more aware of you know, it was so surreal at the beginning, wasn't it? So surreal. Um, and um, 
I think it was nice to have something sort of normal to do. Um, yeah. And it was it's a non-fiction book, so it was nice to do like a bit of research and and. Oh great. Yeah, not I've never written non-fiction before. Jim's never written before, so it was quite nice to be able to um, work on the project together and collaborate on it. So that was yeah, that was really great. So that was a really fun project to do. Um, that's not coming out till March, so I can't tell much more about it. Okay. It's still it's still secret, um, but we will be revealing things soon. Um, and then yeah, I did a, I did a story for um, Tony's, which is a um, audio system uh, it's a german company but they've just moved into the uk market and it's a kind of sound box that you get and you can put different characters on the top and then it will read the story on um the, read the story to you it's like you know so you sort of upload as a parent you upload the mp3s of the stories and then um it's um you put it in the children's room and then they at the night they put on their little character on the top and then it starts the story it's really like the really lovely little things and they've done branded kind of characters like the Gruffalo and um, uh, Paddington, things like that, I think you can get on it. So there's a lot of branded stories. But then they really wanted to sort of highlight what was going on in the pandemic and for children who were maybe worried or anxious about it and not or confused, not really not knowing what was going on. So I kind of wrote them a um, an audio story that they could release on the on the Tonys for people that, you know, families that were finding it difficult to sort of have those conversations with children about it. That's amazing. Um, it's, it's really good. So, yeah, it was really fun. It was really cool to do. And it was called In This Together. And it was, you know, it was hopefully it had a bit of a positive message as well, sort of saying that, you know, even though we're apart, because, you know, obviously during lockdown, we weren't ready to see each other and, and we were very much, you know, apart from each other. It was sort of really kind of putting an onus on the fact that um, even though we are apart from each other, we are still all in this together. And, um, yeah, it was really, really lovely to work with them uh, on the project. And, um, yeah, it's a cool little device. It was, well, I reckon it, recommend them to anyone. We've we've got we've got one at home here, and um, they're really fun. You can put music on them and all sorts of things. So, yeah, it's cool. It's like, you know, if your kids like kind of audio stories at bedtime, it's um, it's perfect. Brilliant, yeah. There's, there's a question I always get asked, and, I've, 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 you know, I, I always kind of, um, whenever I do an interview, and I, I get asked about my books and readings and things like this, but... I always, I, I mean, it's just great to get another children's orphan's opinion, really. Um, what What's kind of your thoughts on the, all these sort of celebrity children's authors that we see at the mm. minute? Um, you know, we it's kind of one of these things where I don't like sitting on the fence too much about things, but I kind of feel like that's kind of where I perch on quite a lot uh, with the, with that topic. Because, you know, there are celebrity writers out there that mm. are writers and they're passionate about what they're doing. You know, you've got people like Tom Fletcher that, you know, he's really really um, engaged in his work when he's writing his children's novels. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, even with David Williams, you know, he's probably the most popular children's author we have in the country at the minute, but he is a writer. And um, But then, you know, there, there are some children's authors you could perhaps say aren't as passionate or kind of in it for the wrong mm. reasons as well. So I don't know what your kind of uh, opinion is on, on that topic. It's a, yeah, I'm like you. It's a very tricky one, isn't it? Because... Um... You know, obviously, we all work hard to to do the to do this, and you know, it's not easy getting it's not easy getting your work published. I was having this very conversation with someone this morning, actually. On okay, we were recording. We <laughs> Timed were recording. it well, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were recording a podcast with an author, and uh, she said, "What worries her the most is the um, most of the money that publishers pump into." Um, the, the biggest advances basically that they pay out are generally for yeah very high profile celebrities who are doing a book whether that's they've written it themselves or 
they've had it ghostwritten, which, you know, it does happen. It does happen, yeah. Um, and debut kind of books. And she said, what happens is, what the problem is, is that middle ground where people are, they, they've had, you know, they've had books published, they've sold okay, mm-hmm. um, but they're reliable authors and they get stuff out regularly and it's good quality, but it's not big, you know, it's not bestseller stuff, but it's just, you know, it's just in the middle ground. She said, those are the people that, find it very difficult to maintain a, an income and a living from writing. And, and I hadn't thought about it like that before, but maybe that, you know, and that, and that probably might be the same for, for children's writing as well, to a certain extent. Um, maybe not so much picture books because, you know, they're expensive to make. And I don't think, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of authors get kind of the same money, whether they're a big celebrity or not. I think there's not, you know, there's not so much money to be had around. Um, but I certainly for like kind of chapter books, um, middle grade and YA, I think there is probably a disparity in, in those things. And my worry, my, my only worry, I guess, and concern is that some of those big advances that are being risked on on celebrities or, or, or well, or high profile people, that's not just, you know, high profile people, um, is that maybe some really, really, you know, if that money's going out on, you know, multi-million pound book deals or whatever it might be, um, I think, you know, w- are we missing out on some really good writing from, you know, some people that haven't been given a, a chance, you know? Oh, that's it, yeah. Um, uh, 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 because those, you know, the, the, there isn't the money there to, 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 to publish all the work. On the flip side of that, you could argue the other point, um, and it's a valid one, that uh, the likes of, people like David Williams sell so many books that it allows publishers the the ability to 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 put more books out by other people yeah. as well so you you know there is a there's a, it's a tricky yeah. it's such a tricky subject um i don't have i don't as, from a personal point of view i don't have any quite you know at the end of the day you do you like we exactly. can't look at other people being successful and did think that that's that's their you know and it, that that's that's their journey and it won't it, you if you let it affect your journey then then I think you're a bit in trouble because um, mm-hmm. you got to do what you're doing and enjoy what you're doing and and then they you should always be writing for for you predominantly in the, in the first place whether it's because you enjoy the subject you're writing about or that you are wanting to succeed in some way, but it's about you. It's not about, you know, so I, I don't feel any like sense of envy or, or, um, or anything like that for, for anyone that does well. I, in fact, I, you know, I will, if I can, I will always try and champion anyone that's, you know, doing well. Um, whether it's writing a kid's book or putting a podcast out or, um, doing a movie, whatever it might be, if it's, you know, I think, you know, the more we can encourage each other, the better really. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, it's, in terms of getting kids into reading, when they see someone like David Williams or someone that they recognise, especially with boys, because, I mean, you write for boys, as you know, some of your children's books mm-hmm. predominantly are for, for young boys. And um, I think, you know, to really kind of get kids engaged into re- reading and writing, you've... Um, it does help when you do have those those mm. bigger names that they that, that they do recognise, and I guess on the sort of business aspect of it, it is less risk to to push someone that's got the name to sell books, you know, than someone yeah. that comes in that's not too known. So, you know, there, yeah. there's two it's two sides of it, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. it's difficult, and you can kind of see you can understand both sort of positions yeah. on it. But it's like you say, I think the best thing to do is just kind of focus on on what you're doing, and um, 
you know and I, I, think, I believe if you've got the you know i believe if you've got yeah. the sort of passion you know to, to do it that's you just work on just sort of work on that and i would say also that um a lot of the like book charts you find for children's books are predominantly made up of non-celebrity like mm-hmm. you know i'm saying non-celebrity writers it, it is the crest the cows the liz pichons the julia donaldson's um i'm sure michael rose whatever it might be there's there's a high profile children's writers that are that's what you know they are children's writers they're not sort of celebrities as such so i think even though we you know we're sort of you know we, it, it could be construed as look like oh it's oh no look so and so's written a book now blah blah blah's written a book mm-hmm. um you know there still are great great children's authors that are getting um people buying their books by the you know shed loads as well so you know i think we can be reassured that there's still a lot of you know, there's lots of really 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 talented um children's um authors and well and, and adults as well i mean it's not just um not just in the children's world yeah and do your kids read much i mean they're secondary school now they're kind of at that age where is re- they re- still read much yeah yeah my um yeah. my our eldest is uh, uh yeah is is a vivacious reader he loves loves books um yeah, I mean, yeah, he he loves reading. Um, our, our youngest has got quite severe dyslexia, so he finds reading and writing very challenging. So we, you know, we so we read to him, read to him a lot more than, um, you know, obviously his, his older brother can just, you know, devour books. So, um, but he still loves books, and that's the main thing. I mean, I think even though he finds them a challenge and and he kind of looks daunted by them, he still really loves them. And uh, so that's really nice. And yeah, there's a, there's quite a few. My wife's been reading him the um, Treehouse books um, by. Yeah. Oh, terrible. I can't remember his name. Uh, Terry Griffith. <laughs> Terry yeah. Griffith. So Terry yes. Griffith. They're really great. And um, because they've got illustrations in as well. And I think, you know, things like, I guess, like books like Liz Pichon's, um, Tom Gates' books, things like that, where they've got, you know, quite, quite vivid illustrations as well as the text, I think, uh, particularly for his age which is sort of um 10 11 i think that that's a great age for them to be reading those kind of books that's great so i mean it's been great listening to you today giles but i, I suppose if you had like a, a message for for anyone there that's sort of thinking about about wanting to get into children's writing or writing in general whether it be um writing a self-help book where it be writing an adult fiction mm. but they they kind of feel like they haven't got the academia to do it or they haven't got the um the experience or it's just um the time or whatever it might be for whatever reason uh, what would you say to those people to encourage them to to go for it well i think i, I get asked a lot by people like i get loads quite a lot of messages on, on particularly on twitter like from people saying i want to i really want to write a book don't know how to start what should i do kind of thing and i think sometimes you just got to go in a bit feet first with it and actually just dive into the process and not think too much about it that first story you write or that first manuscript you know that first novel whatever it might be um it's not going to be like your best well it might be your best work but it won't be the finished article and you know you've got to um realize that you know unless you actually do it right write the thing it's never gonna necessarily happen so you need to just really focus on that to start with i would suggest um the actual process of writing 
And then I think from a more practical point of view, I mean, particularly if you're in, um, if you're children's author or wanting to write children's books, I can't recommend Scooby enough. I think, are you a member of Scooby? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. for anyone who doesn't know what Scooby is, it's the Society of Children's <laughs> Writers and Illustrators, is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, it's a brilliant organisation that really is supportive to new writers, I think. And uh certainly if you're getting to a point where you need kind of um contractual kind of assistance and stuff, they can help with that kind of thing and they have conferences and meetups and stuff. I think to have that support network with you is really important and um i don't know if you you know i think sharing your work is really really necessary really useful, really useful. yeah get, really get, getting the getting the feedback you want i mean showing your to family and friends your work is just one thing but they're, they're not yeah. going to tell you it's rubbish are they? i mean yeah. I mean, not that your work will be rubbish but you know they're not yeah. going to give you critical feedback and honest feedback mm, whereas mm. you know it's a really good place to have a platform where you could just go let me know what you honestly think you know yeah it's really good yeah, yeah absolutely a friend of mine does write a mental mentoring she's had a couple of books out with chicken house um she's great and um yeah i think <clears throat> she's um she really loves that process being the mentor like just being able to put that give give people new writers feedback and help them along the journey you know i think that's really really great i think if you can i mean i, I was again i was talking about this with someone else today that idea around like helping each other out a bit because I think when I first started writing there wasn't I couldn't really reach out to anyone to fire I think you know it was probably just uh, social media was around but it wasn't you know as prevalent there wasn't access to us to people as much as there probably is now and I think when people ask me I always I really do always try and give people a few little pointers and feedback if I can um, with regards to how to get started because I think it's so important otherwise people don't take those steps and I think yeah. the last thing to always say to people as well is perseverance. Don't um, mm -hmm. don't give up. Yeah, and I think when you're writing that first manuscript, when people say to me, "Well, like, you know, I've got this idea for a story. Where do I start?" <laughs> Sometimes it, it sounds a bit condescending, but you just got to, you just got to write it. You, you yeah. just got you've just got to write what you you know. That's kind of the fun part. Like you know, when I'm writing a, a children's book or story, whatever it is. This, you know, you kind of have a starting point and an ending point. You know where you got, to, you know where you're setting off from. You know where you've got to get to. But everything that happens in the middle, it's just just have fun. Just like yeah. you know, get to know your cat. Just just see that as the fun part. You know, when it comes to editing and stuff, you know, I hate it as well as, as much as the next oh, person. Yeah. You know, I can't. You know, we all no no one that can't remember thinks yes, I did editing. I love that. You know, um, it's that's something that's a bit difficult sometimes. But you know, when it gets to just like thinking, I've got an idea for a story, but I'm kind of stressing out about it. I don't know where to start and things like that. I think it's just just like you say just go into it and just like have fun with it and um the more you have fun with it the more it tends to be that whether it be for kids or adults you know they enjoy it as much as you do yeah definitely yeah no i couldn't agree more yeah i think um yeah enjoy the process i think i think a lot of people do, thinking too much about like oh when am i going to get this published you know and i think yeah actually it's like they want to... they want to know they want to know it's like if i'm going to write this is it going to be published before yeah. i before before i go through the the hours of the months and yeah you yeah know, just writing this thing i kind of want uh, to know that it's going to be worth it and it's just like sadly it's not it works you know but david no. williams yes it will work but not for us sadly no and, no um... and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i think it's been aware going in that you know that is you know not to sugarcoat these things but by any means or um 
and not to to be mean or anything, but just to sort of say like you know it is you know it's incredibly the whole process is difficult and and to be honest, creative fields in general it's just difficult because so many people want to do them. So um, yeah, it's knowing that. But I think you're right. I think just actually sitting down and and doing the thing and and enjoying and trying to enjoy it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Giles, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you today. So many topics that we've managed to cover there. Um, but yeah, guys, check out his books. Uh, like I said, BFG, Britain's Friendliest Guide. Check him out on Twitter. And um, yeah, um, thanks again, Giles. It's been great having you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. Cheers. Cheers. So there you have it, guys. Uh, a wonderful episode there with Giles Paley Phillips. Um, please be sure to um, check out his writing, none more so than his um, newest book, his most um, personal book that he's ever that he's ever written. Um, that being 152 Days, available on Amazon and um, Waterstones. Um, yeah, just a really great guy. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. Um, like I said, he's Britain's friendliest guy. You won't regret following him. Um, he's really um, tweets lots of positive positivity out there. And um, when you're having a bit of a shit day, he's the guy you really want to check out on Twitter because um, he makes you feel like you're not alone. Um, he's always there for you to reach out to. And um, he's very good at interacting with people and, and sending very positive and um, motivational um, tweets out there for you guys um, so be sure to follow Giles on Twitter be sure to check out his new book 152 Days um, an amazing, a really um, heartfelt emotional story that will resonate with so many people uh, thanks Giles for coming on and um, thank you guys for listening and I look forward to seeing you again, tuning in for another episode of Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige speak to you guys later